This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this podcast is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. I am blessed today to have Wendy on with me. If anybody knows Wendy, she is such a fun and loving and charismatic person. So I'm excited for people to get to know her, but also she has a really deep and almost dark story that comes with the joy that she saw in it all. So this woman here totally embraces who she is as a human. So thank you for joining me today, Wendy. The honor is totally mine. Thanks for having me. Thrilled to be here. Awesome. So before we get started, Wendy, um, I know that we're going to go into your full story, but just tell people a little bit about you beforehand. So I, so, you know, okay, easy. I'm a mom, (laughs) Uh, you know, um, married for 33 years um, I'm Wendy, I'm married to Peter, like Peter Pan, and no, he never grew up, so it's cool. <laughs> and uh, um, so, uh, English literature degree, <clears throat> I really only have, th- I have four kids, but I only have three skills, wait, three skills, three skills, and I, I can write, I can tell a good story, and I collect amazing people who do the rest of the cool stuff that we have planned, like, hey, let's do this. So um, I produce feature films for a living, uh, I write, we've written a trilogy, and we'll talk about that a little bit which so touches on all of this is so influenced by what we went through and um, a trilogy called my golden blood and a book to film to gaming. And so that's what we're working on. You're such a fascinating and awesome person. So again, that's the reason why I'm so excited for you to be on today. So this, mm-hmm. the show is called unapologetically bold. So yep. Wendy, what are you not sorry for? So I am the extreme of super not sorry. For a being in a prison cell and finding joy in a prison cell, so the very short, like I was trying to rehearse it in my head before, like how can I do this in a minute? Um, I'm a film producer. I was invited to Iowa to produce feature films. Um, at the end of two successful projects, one with my entertainment attorney, we had three attorneys working with us full time to facilitate the process of uh, navigating all the laws that they had in Iowa. Until 33, I think 33 states currently have some kind of film incentives. The program collapsed and it collapsed on me primarily. So a lot of other producers were suing for contracts that were ratified by the state and they were winning and the state was having to pay out money, but the state owed me the most. I had 11 contracts for a total of $84 million of future projects, but we don't want to pay her and she can sue like everybody else. So they came down on me legally really intensely and 15 felony counts at one point in time. And the end of an eight day trial that was crazy intense with a fantastic attorney by the name of Matthew Whitaker. They said, well, we'll um, stand silent during sentencing. We won't recommend a sentence. Just plead guilty to one thing and you can go home. So I said, if you're telling me that I wasn't supposed to listen to the state official who gave me a directive, he had nine felony counts against him and he was going to court afterwards. I said, I accept responsibility. I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to trust him or forward his email to this other company. I didn't know. 
And the judge came back, you know, some six weeks later, and he sentenced me to 10 years in a women's maximum security prison. They shackled me up and took me away. This really nice prostitute in prison. And, she, and the holding cell is like, oh, honey, if you got a good attorney, you can get a, an appeal bond and you could be out here today. And I was. And then we fought it for two years. I was subpoenaed to testify in the state film commissioner's trial. And uh, about eight weeks after I was sentenced to 10 years, same judge, um, he was on trial for nine felony counts and I testified and on his behalf, I was a, I was a defense witness. I said, we were told to do by him, but what the state was telling him to do. And, um, he, he was acquitted on eight counts and the one count he was convicted of was felonious misconduct in office for misdirecting me. So he was convicted of misdirecting me. I said he misdirected me. I was responsible for accepting that he was convicted. And the same judge gave him a $750 fine. Okay. And that's the thing that I love about this is that too, anybody that's reaching that point for me, how much bitterment that you could have. And so I think that's the beauty of going to the next part of the story. So I, I fought it. I fought the sentence for two years and February 7th of 2013. So the trial was 2011, 2013. I surrendered and think my kids thinking that I'm going away for 10 years. I said goodbye to my husband and my kids and told them not to come visit me, that I would be fine. They respected that and they, it was hard and we spoke and it was hard. It was hard to make a phone call home. It was just, it's a, you know, you're like, I mean, physically hard, like, can you get to a phone and does it work and everything? And the other side, it was like hard to hear their voices, hard to hear the lady coming one minute and that mechanical lady saying, you have one minute left and knowing that's all I have with the kids or my husband or like, it was just, it was those, there were some brutalities and my parents, like it was brutal. That said, you can choose that this message, this this path you're on is hell, or you can choose that it's heaven. So my mother, God bless her, planted this idea in my head. I'm 55, so like 56 years ago, probably, but I'm never uncomfortable anywhere. And I'm never, I never had one minute that I was uncomfortable. It sounds crazy. Like I'm in a maximum security prison and people who, there was a woman who lived below me in this unit that I, first unit I was in, and she killed her grandchild and sacrificed it to the devil. I'm not talking like, oh, these are women who, whoops, I bounced a check one time. These are women who, there were people who their life plus 25. There were women who were wrongly convicted and did not belong there, did not, didn't know how the system worked and just got into it all of a sudden they're, they're lifers. And two of whom, God bless, are now free, out free. One whose commutation I wrote, Thank God. And one who um, I was able to work with a little bit, but she on her own 32 and a half years, she was in prison for a crime she did not commit as a child. She didn't commit and she walks free. There was a woman there who used to pull weeds. That's what she did all day long. She liked to, she would pull weeds. What had she done? Um, she was mad at her parents once. So in anger, she burnt down the house, not knowing that her two younger siblings were in the house and they were killed. You, you can't imagine the kind of, you know, the, the things you're going to, the, the sadness, the, 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 the depravity, the stuff you're going to find. So then the, you know, when it's dark, you can really see the stars because there's just a little bit of light is so magnified. So I just chose to see the stars and the, the greatness in people and their willingness to change and try. And like we spoke about before, be lobsters, you know, mm -hmm. they, they have a shell, they're squishy little things and they, they're, they're hatch and they go under a rock and their shell forms and they come out and do lobster things. 
but that lobster shell cracks and they have to go under into a place they're vulnerable and they have to and the shell forms again and it does it like 15 times over their life we have to be uncomfortable so i was like okay well this is how uncomfortable i have to be to get to the next level of lobsterness then i'm gonna have to do it <laughs> and it was super interesting like i really looked at it like i'm never good who gets this opportunity especially a filmmaker who gets this kind of opportunity so like okay god you put me here for a reason and the, the some of the guards would come to me and they'd say when do you get out of here like when can you leave well what's and I'd say, the minute God decides, I can do more good outside than inside. But right now, I'm here. And then exactly, you know, seven years ago last week, exactly, I get a call, the gates open, and I walk free. And that was it. So what do you do when you're in the darkest place? Like the darkest place, how do you find joy? You've got to reduce it to this very second. It's not, oh my gosh, I can see the stars, but it's I can see one star. You know, what is it that you can do? Like if you can, if you open your eyes and you close your eyes and you trust that when you open them again, there's going to be something great out there. You trust. It's not faith. That faith is kind of ephemeral. It comes and goes, oh, I, I lack faith. No, trust is something that cannot be broken. And so I choose to have that relationship with God that I trust that he's doing this for my, in my best interests. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And I think that's the part I'm a person of faith and you know that and, and the trusting and, and God is connected right away. It's like, yeah, <laughs> but for people too, either way it's it's the things that sometimes that we trust in sometimes can be a path that does not feel like it should be going on. It's always talk about in the beginning about me having my child out of wedlock, you know, and it's like, I'm the good girl. I'm not supposed to have all of this stuff. And now how it has blessed me in my business and how it has blessed me in, in your heart, in my heart. And, and everything comes from that. Like, Oh, this was supposed to be, it's not what I planned. Isn't it funny how few plans ever come to fruition? Like, okay, this is what my life's going to be. Like, I wasn't really good at that. I didn't know what kind of man I was going to marry. Like, my friend's like, oh, he's going to be tall and he's going to come in on a white horse. And I'm like, I don't want a white horse. I'll ride my horse. I don't, like, I don't want, I want somebody who's going to argue with me. Mm -hmm. you know, there's a, there's a Jewish expression. Your, your, your spouse, your partner should be your friend against you. Ooh. What does that mean? So it's not like, oh yes, honey, whatever you want to do. They have to say, do you really want to do that? They have to be comfortable enough to say like, what, what, what were you thinking? Mm -hmm. You know, and that. And what if, and you have to have that openness where you can say, you know, wow, somebody, somebody sees that, okay, not everything I'm doing is in my own best interest. And they'll kind of yank you back. You're, that's what your friend against you does. It's that mm -hmm. push to be better. And so. I, I love that. And I think that's a question I want to have for you on this is in all this chaos and all this time that you went through. One, I love the beauty that you didn't see it as chaos and that you you saw the blessing of it. But for people like with work and life, yours came together. And I always talk about being a human wherever you're at. Right. How, how has your humanity in one, seeing people as humans right. and giving grace and forgiveness helped you even in your career and there afterwards with that? So how has that helped you? That's a great question. So it's most definitely formed the last, my last project and my, and this project. So I'm a film producer. So, um, I like to tell good stories. 
obviously, right? So I don't want to necessarily live in all the good stories. I like to. So the, our next project is a trilogy, and it's called My Golden Blood. And it's really about, it was brought to me by my partner, Noah Bewley. And it's about a young man who is severely emotionally and physically abused, um, a really abusive, alcohol-infused family. And um, it's for, and he runs away to a mentor. He says, I can rebuild you. The truth is, this mentor takes broken teenagers. He rebuilds them into human weapons, which are not good for anybody. And it's this this film is for every kid who stood at their door, their front door, and they hear the chaos in the back, with their hand on the doorknob and that pit in their stomach, and they know that they they know it's going to be bad when they go in, but they go in anyway to see if they can stop the chaos. Mm-hmm. And so every kid who runs away from home and joins a gang because we're going to make you big and strong and you can be, you know, rich and have all everything you want. And it's all a lie. It's all built on a fantasy. They're just using you. That's awesome. So with all this, yeah, how would you say that what you went to allowed you to get the creativity and not let it hold you back, but instead make you better? That's a great question. So there are a lot of women who are left there and don't belong there and there's you know you know the act of god really in the blink of an eye they could be free but it's hard and i think about them a lot like i really think about the things that i'm able to do Uh, for that matter i'm able to walk outside like the little things i'm able to do i'm able to go to hollywood i'm able to you know meet with top level people and i know there's the things that they will never never have the opportunity to do. They'll never have the opportunity to live out their dreams. They're trapped in a system and it's not a great system and it needs to be overhauled. And I think a lot about them. Um, It's really easy to justify doing really um, exceptional things, exceptional, like really frightening things to some people when you know that you're really doing it because you know, you're taking a little piece of them with you and you write to them, let them know, hey, I did this and let them give them some measure of like, you inspired me to do this. You inspired me to tell this story. You, you're the reason that I did this and get, it gives them um, the proper, they need to know that they're worthy. Mm-hmm. Their story is worth being told. So a lot mm-hmm. of their stories are built into this, little things that I've heard along the way that really, that they'll never write a book, but I can put this little thing in there and someday they'll see it. I love it. And I think that's something too, for anybody, I think the point of this too is that you are actually in a prison cell. Because Some of us, we put ourselves in proverbial oh, cells. Yeah. And I want to talk about that for a minute. Um, how do you see people putting themselves in cells and like boxing themselves in and what advice or what would you invite them to learn to be able to break free? My why Simon Sinek is to incite gratitude. Mm. So I truly believe that gratitude is the catalyst for heroic action. And you have to be, we all have to be the hero in our own story. So that means not being comfortable. That means doing things that we, oh, I didn't think I could. It means getting out of the, oh, I'm, we've always done it this way, or it's, I'll never do that. You want to write a story? You want to write a book? Start with a, an idea, an outline, a chapter. Um, you want to create something? Start 
start moving towards that. I always say that where there's a need, there's a seed. And, mm -hmm. and so if there's something that needs to be done, plant a seed and plant the seed and water it and care for it and watch it grow. And then you see that that need suddenly disappears. So there's a million ways to be creative and creativity can never be done in a box. So if you're able to, if it's telling jokes, if whatever your particular, you know, talent or what your desire is, card tricks, anything, be creative. And then, then suddenly you'll see the box walls blow down. You're like, wow, if I can do that, if I can just juggle socks in my prison cell, which I could never master, by the way, because mm -hmm. I can't multitask. But if I could, like people, I know people who did. And it's like, oh my gosh, I can, I broke down that wall. I can do another. And once you see them, you walk, you look, wow, I don't even have a box anymore. I can do more things. We limit ourselves so significantly, so much more than anybody else does. Either we have to deal with the echoes in the back of our head from memories. You can't do that. You're not creative enough. You're not talented enough, whatever things people said to us one time. It's not that we're not, it's they're not, and they just don't see what we can do. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm such a strong advocate of try it. And uh -huh. then once you start to think I can do this, there, there go your cell walls. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And so we're right at the end of our time. So I do want to ask you one final question. Anything, for, anything or for anybody that is apologizing for being sorry for finding joy in places of darkness, what advice would you give them? So I, I'm so, yes, apologize when it's necessary. Great. I am so against our natural inclination to apologize for anything that we perceive might offend somebody else because we really don't know what's in their brain. We don't. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm late. Instead of saying, I'm sorry. I'm late. What happens if you flip it? Thank you for being so patient. What have we done? We flip it to a positive. They feel, Oh, I was patient instead of us saying, Oh, I take the blame. Right. So, um, we live in a world where it seems so easy to apologize. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I, I'm, I'm not sorry, but I do, you know, I, I'm, it's not that I'm not sorry. If something you do say egregious, obviously I bumped you. I heard whatever, something, of course, on the other side is wow. Finding the good in what's how somebody else could have reacted removes a lot of that, that need to apologize. Mm -hmm. And isn't it fun when you build somebody up by, and not demean yourself, mm -hmm. it's a thing it's a thing and it works and it, and it sticks with you for a long time. Mm -hmm. When you walk away from that interaction, it's like, that was, that really felt good. And if it feels good in that deep way, that's God telling you that was the right way to go. That mm -hmm. you're, you're the, the road, your path went from Rocky to a little bit smoother because mm -hmm. you, you know how to switch this. We can only ever change this. That's it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for joining. Have an awesome and blessed day. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold. I'm not sorry for. If this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.